0: Hey guys, this is Doug Aldrich with the Dead Daisies, and you're listening to Iron City Rock.
1: Hey, this is Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, and you are listening to Iron City Rock. Oh!
2: episode 354 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 354, we have three special guests in a jumbo-sized episode, so we're going to get right to it. we have joining us on this episode. We have uh, frontman of the band Cinderella and solo artist Tom Kiefer. We have Doug Aldridge of Revolution Saints and Dead Daisies joining us to talk about a new album from the Revolution Saints. And we have the original drummer of the legendary Leonard Skinner, uh, talking about the Artemis Powell band, um, none other than Artemis Powell. So let's go with Artemis Powell first. Artemis uh, has been doing the Artemis Powell band, which is the, as he refers to it, a tribute to the Ronnie Van Zant version of Leonard Skinner. Uh Artemis obviously played drums on the first several of the Leonard Skynyard albums, the classics, was involved in the uh, horrific airplane accident. Uh, was a survivor of that, um, and did some work with Leonard Skinnerd after that. But uh, primarily a solo artist, so he's going to be coming into Irwin to do a show at the Lamp Theater, very intimate gig with the Artemis Powell Band. It's going to be a night of Leonard Skinnerd greats. They're coming on October thirteenth. Tickets available if you go to the Lamp Theater uh, and look at their website. You can get tickets for that. So I want to preface this interview. This interview took place uh, on the day of the horrific shooting in Las Vegas. Uh, this took place in the afternoon. Um, and if you're wondering why we don't address the passing of Tom Petty the same day, this actually took place before the news broke nationwide of the death of Tom Petty. Uh, so, obviously, a very horrific day for music. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate Artemis was extremely candid about his feelings and shared quite a bit with me during this interview. So, without further ado, the great Artemis Powell of Leonard Skinner. <laughs> in to do a show in um, October on the the 13th in Irwin at the Lamb Theater. Um, For those who haven't seen the Artemis Powell Band, um, can you explain a little bit of what you guys do?
3: Well, you know, I'm the drummer of the Real Leonard Skinner Band um, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of a man named Ronnie Van Zant. So, my band plays Leonard Skinner music better than any band in the world and uh, our vocalists are second to none and we play the music with honor integrity and accuracy and um I drive it the way I did in the 70s of course today my band as all Americans are in shock um and saddened by what has happened in Las Vegas last night.
2: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's
3: it's a very hard day for everybody. Um, We had just gone out to Arkansas and played a show with Dolly Parton, and uh, we were able to meet and perform with Dolly. And I know that she, being the queen, basically, of country music um, her heart must be broken today Uh, after meeting her and seeing how Dolly gives of herself to the fans and her musicians and um, her producer and musical director uh, I only can think uh, of how her heart must be broken today as uh everybody in the music business uh must be in shock and dismay and uh all I can say is that I'm, I'm very sad right now usually I'm <clears throat> somewhat of a jovial clown <laughs> yeah but uh I, I just I don't have the words to express the way I feel but I know that uh we always dedicate Freebird. um to whoever needs that support and I know that when we play because the show must go on and we will dedicate Freebird to all of the people that lost their lives just trying to have fun and go to a concert and the 500 people you know injured and their families must be just you know heartbroken so
2: yeah, and I think it, it certainly sends a shockwave. You know, this is, you know, in just what seems like a blink of an eye, the second event related to concerts. Um, as a musician, do you ever find yourself thinking in terms of that? I know, you know, over the last 15 years, you had Dimebag Darrell from Pantera was killed that way. You had the, the nightclub fire that Great White suffered. Um, do you ever let that creep into your mind while you're playing a show you know your own personal safety at a venue
3: um no no I I I know that there is evil out there and it's just like when I get on an airplane you know I've had three airplane crashes and I've lost friends and I lost my father in an airplane crash and I'm a pilot so, uh, at this point, when I get on an airplane, I say my prayers and I leave it up to the higher power. Right. It's the same, same thing when I go play a, a show. There might be somebody out there that would have something against the world or possibly something, you know, that they feel that I'm responsible for. But, mm-hmm. uh, I never worry about that. I I get up there and I get behind my drums and I I play with all my heart. Yeah. And that's what I'm gonna continue to do. Uh, you know, I think about Paris. Yeah. And uh what happened over there and a and hundred people lost their lives. Um this uh event that happened last night In Las Vegas, this is kind of unprecedented. And it's the largest mass shooting, mass murder, um, in our, you know, recent American history. Never anything like this has happened. And I, I, I relate to it in this way that I went to Las Vegas a couple of years ago and did a, um, rock and roll camp. And I stayed in the Mandalay Bay. Yeah. Um, and I, I would always look out on that open space where this concert took place. And I think I remember even thinking that I was wondering if they would use that space for a, you know, a large concert. But never in my, you know, mind would I ever imagine that somebody with no record 64 years old you know would take 10 weapons and automatic weapons I mean you know I'm a marine I I was in the marines for 4 years 67 to 71 and um, you know I know how to fire weapons but thats I don't think anybody could have imagined that he would uh, plan this out which he obviously did and take in 10 you know uh, long rifles and with automatic weapons capabilities and just open you know uh, at random on a crowd of 22,000 people it's uh it's horrific
2: yeah it does shake you know your kind of inner feeling of safety you know i think we as americans have you know obviously before 911 had one way of feeling it even since but you know it's the one place that for the most part you feel safe you know you're in a crowd of people you you know you all enjoying the music you know most of the time it's it's the the one rogue drunk guy with the beer muscles that's the problem for the night for most people but you know you certainly don't think about you know what's across the street 30 floors in the air i mean that's that's terrifying really I,
3: yeah i mean it, it's just unimaginable and i i feel so badly for all of the music musicians i mean jason all game um you know, southern rock and country music are are you know brothers and 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 sisters and cousins. You know, we we share uh, a similar uh, a path, and to think that all of those people that played that uh, event, it will be forever uh, you know emblazoned in their memories and their hearts. Uh, uh, simply, people trying to enjoy music and have a good time um this will be tied to them just like as you mentioned Great White yeah um and and, uh and everything this will be tied to their memories and souls uh probably forever you know and it's 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 hard on all Americans and I I feel so badly for uh Jason and all of the performers because this is something uh that will stick with them you yeah. know
2: yeah it's it's yeah, i wish you know for obviously for all the fans and, and for all the the band members and and everyone involved that you know they can come to terms with this and are able to get move forward you know i think we all enjoy music so much you know that it it would be terrible to think that that would you know scar people listening to that kind of music or wanting to go to live events in the future um so
3: I think it's going to affect live live events, and you know, John. I mean, uh, my my band, Leonard Skinner, mm-hmm. and our airplane crash that was forty years ago. This month, yeah, October twentieth. That was forty years ago, and so there's been great tragedy connected with with my uh, music mm-hmm. and everything. But I've been able to, you know. At my age, uh, you know, going out and being the drummer of Leonard Skinner and playing a two-hour show and ending with Freebird, uh, I've gotten past the the tragedy and been able to, you know, revel in the glory of mm-hmm. the music that Ronnie Van Zant wrote and how much it means to so many people. So I love playing the music, and it will right. be especially relevant uh, at this time, but what happened uh, last night in Las Vegas, uh, there's been tragedy in many bands, mm-hmm. but this is this is unprecedented. Uh,
2: unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly, I mean, to lose someone like Ronnie and, and the, the folks from Skinner, um, and you think about it, 40 years later, people still attribute it to, you know, it's still something that comes up to the casual fan who may not know much about Leonard Skinnerd, or, you know, be a, a big fan of the band will still think oh that was the band that was in the plane crash and this is 40 years later you know many fans you know weren't even alive um you you feel bad that you know the bands that were on the bill last night are going to forever have that legacy attached to their name um you know but i you know it's almost hard to express in words you know the, the sympathy it for really, the fans it really is you know and and i think and, that and keep- I'm sorry, Good.
3: I was just going to say, John, to your point, uh, Saturday night, I did a show in the middle of Arkansas um, as a tribute to Dolly Parton's um, uh, producer. Uh, his name is Kent Wells. And he's an amazing musician and an amazing person. And I felt like I was at a family reunion. Yeah. Uh, and there was thousands of people that came to see Dolly. And when I spoke with Dolly... Uh, before the show, and spent time with her, um, she said that, "Oh, Artemis, I'm a big fan of Leonard Skinner you know." And that that just blew my mind that I'm talking to, you know, uh, an icon
1: yeah.
0: of
3: music and and film, and sh- across the board, uh, uh, Dolly Parton. That you don't get much better than Dolly, and and the way she reaches out after the fires in Gatlinburg. And everything, Uh, and then speaking to her and her telling me that she was a fan of Leonard Skynyrd, and that her husband's favorite song was Freebird, you know. And I told Dolly that I'd always love to to hear her voice sing those words on Freebird, Uh, and having a moment like that, which was one of the, you know, the highlights of my life. I will never forget uh, spending you know Saturday night and hearing those words from Dolly to me. And seeing how she sang uh, to the crowd and the children that, that they were looking it was like the children and the people were looking at an angel mm-hmm. uh, on, on stage and then something like this to go to the extreme other end of, of uh, you, you know music and this tragedy and uh, uh, I, I, it's just it's, it's overwhelming uh, at this time and uh, I, it's it is hard to put it
2: into words. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know it's got to be. You know, I, I feel very bad, and obviously the music, musicians that weren't necessarily I heard you know they're you got to consider that kind of secondary to the people who were physically injured and emotional. But you have got to think, you know, I think a lot of bands really think of their fans as their family. You know, in a way they are. You know, they're what keep them able to tour and to keep them in, in their livelihood and the connection they make with those fans um to see those people hurt who are coming to see you has got to be very difficult you know that's a new kind of tragedy you know unfortunately but um you know we'll offer certainly prayers for all those folks and um you know obviously music will continue on but uh, i think it'll certainly change things um and not for a good way um you know, hopefully we'll I see. think
3: everybody believes that the show must go on absolutely but but you have to pause and you have to remember, yeah, which because of uh, because of what happened to my band,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: I was on that airplane, you know i was I went down on that plane, so it's with me every day, and I know that this will be with all of those fans and all of all Americans and all right. of the bands and performers. This will be with them uh, forever yeah and uh, and so we will uh move forward as as best we can as difficult as it is we will get on our tour bus and go to shows and and play this music um proudly and i can only say to the people that will come and see us you know up in your part of the world um, our hearts are are united uh with, with with them and uh, we appreciate everybody coming to see us and we understand if if people can't come to see us sure you know and mm-hmm. uh, okay. I just thank you so much and your radio station and all the radio stations that have kept Leonard Skinner music alive um, and that basically got us in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of course Ronnie Van Zant is solely responsible for that. For me i never dreamed about that being in the the hall of fame Mm -hmm. but uh you know for all the radio stations and the fans that have that got us in yeah um my heart you know goes out to them today because i know all americans today are are sad this this is unprecedented
2: yeah very very well said artemis i I do want to thank you for taking the time out on such a difficult day again you'll be here on the 13th to do a show in irwin um I think we're going to all love to come out and see you know a great night of leonard skinner's uh, you know wonderful collection of hits so we wish you safe travels into pittsburgh and we'll see you when you get into town man
3: thank you so much john and i, I hope to meet you
2: all right again a thank you to artemis powell for uh, sharing his thoughts on the horrific tragedy in las vegas now we turn our attention to a show that will be the very next night uh, artemis is in town on the 13th the very next night in warrendale on the 14th tom Kiefer of uh, Frontman of the legendary Cinderella, will be doing a solo show with his band at uh, Jurgles So we wanted to talk to him. Uh, it's been a couple of years since the album. The album is being re-released. The way life goes, uh, will be re-released with a, some bonus tracks, some really cool uh, Lizzie Hale vocal versions of um, "Nobody's Fool" uh, and a DVD. So wanted to talk to him about the album. Um, he was on a few years ago prior to the album being released. So it was kind of cool to get his thoughts down the road how the song is going off live what the new live show will be like so without further ado let's get into that interview with tom Kiefer. Tom Kiefer joining us on the line. How are you doing today, Tom?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing very, very well. You are rolling into Warrendale, Pennsylvania on the 14th, just outside of Pittsburgh uh, for a Saturday night show at Jurgles. And obviously, we want to talk to you about that. But I think kind of first and foremost, some, some big news in, in your world, uh, The Way Life Goes is going to be re-released in a deluxe edition. So can you talk a little bit about the decision to re-release the, the album now that's about four years old and what's well, all included in the new package
1: yeah the uh, the deluxe uh edition was an idea that we talked about back after like back in 2014 after the record had been released and you know came out was really well received by the by the fans and the press and um, at that time we thought you know it'd be cool to uh do an expanded edition that kind of included some uh, some stuff that we were going to uh record that were um, songs that came about or collaborations or versions of songs that came about um, during the uh, the course of touring for the record at that time. Uh, one of them being With a Little Help From My Friends, which was the first collaborative uh, creative effort by my touring band. Um, okay. we, from day one, we have been doing that song, and we've kind of done like a hard rock or hyped up version of like the Joe Cocker version, and we've been doing <laughs> that in the encore the, the whole time we've been touring, and we've gotten, you know, countless requests for a studio version of that. And then the other one being the duet of Nobody's Fool with Lizzie Hale, which is another thing that came out about as a result of touring, and we ended up doing some shows with storm on the Way Life Goes tour. And uh, that's been all over YouTube. You know, we've performed it a bunch of times at various shows. And again, another track that people have been um, asking for a studio version of. So, um, the, the idea of, of putting out the deluxe edition actually got put on the back burner for a long time because we had a change in labels and distribution along the way, unfortunately. Um, sure. There was, for lack of a better word, a bit of a corporate shake-up <laughs> after the record was released, and uh, the, the record got caught in the middle of that, unfortunately, and that happens sometimes. And uh, it, it actually went away for a couple of years. It hasn't been available online or in the stores, so... We've continued to tour and we had to do a little bit of lawyering to get the the master back. And uh, once we did, you know, last year we got into the studio and we recorded these bonus tracks and recorded the documentary of us in the studio, you know, working with Vance Pound, recording these new tracks, which is also part of the set that's in there. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got all this new artwork and all. So, um, you know, the decision was originally just like, hey, we're going to do a deluxe edition and then, you know the the record kind of had that setback that I talked about, and and now it's um it, it really makes sense to kind of just getting it back out there online and on the shelves for everybody to to include the uh, makes sense more than ever now I think to to include this new material with it, and I, I think those songs really make sense with um with this record you know as opposed to maybe we've kind of talked about like you know everybody wants studio recordings of these songs it's like You know, they don't really make sense on a new record because they feel like they're part of this tour, part of this record. So, um, and and they really came out amazing. You know, the energy on both tracks are are very cool and 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 they were recorded after the fact. They're just not leftovers from the original sessions. You know, which I think makes them a little more um, unique.
2: Um, When you when you did the the two versions of Nobody's Fool with Lizzie. Um, were those each when you guys did the vocals for those were those each approached differently because maybe I'm wrong but I'm feeling those are not her singing the exact same way on both songs it wasn't like you just lifted the vocals from one and stuck it over top of it with Pro Tools am I correct in that?
1: you're referring to the 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 kind of like full full on rock version versus the piano version of it well that's actually the exact same performance Um, okay on, on everything the the piano one is just a, a remix that was done by okay. uh kyle o'connor who mixed the tracks um, that was kind of like a nice surprise on his part we weren't even thinking about that mm-hmm. and he mixed the, the you know we'll, we'll call it the rock version or the, the heavier version first and, and we loved it and we went you know in, in true tradition of how <laughs> we make records here you know we went through like six or seven different mix engineers Um, you know, which was how the first record went uh, or the, the, you know, the original record went uh, because pretty particular about sonics and mixes. So um, Kyle was the the guy who won that prize fight and he's actually our front of house mixer on tour. Um, So after going through a bunch of different mix engineers, um, we gave it to him and not only did he knock the, you know, the first version out of the park, he, he said to me one day on the bus he says I got something else I want you to listen to and I and he sent it to me and I I, I remember putting on my headphones and listening to that piano version and I was like wow this is really cool and very different yeah and uh, it was just it was just a nice surprise but he created it from the same you know it's the same tracks and performance but he did you know some you know he created that loop and the breakdown
2: and just you know very creative what he did with that yeah. so and it's interesting cuz when, when you listen to it I mean, I think maybe this goes to just, you know, you're used to hearing a song a certain way, hearing it differently. To me, the vocals don't sound the same, you know, but I think it might be because, you know, you're not hearing the layering of guitars. You know, the piano lets it breathe maybe a little bit more. Um, and it's certainly, you know, world's a part of, you know, when you listen to them. I would have never suspected that. That's yeah,
1: really, well, really you cool. know, that's the interesting thing about mixing and what makes mixing so challenging, In my mind, and I've always been someone who's really been particular about mixing, and like I said, the original Way Life Goes, we went through, I think, 17 mix engineers. is Because you you get a great sound on one element in the track, and then you add another one, and it completely changes the sound of the thing that you thought you had right. So, you know, I think for me, on the piano version, removing a lot of that mid-range guitar information, you know, it, it really, really puts that vocal like so in your face and you can hear every yeah. inflection and every emotion, you know, it doesn't get covered up. So there's things about the piano vocal that I really love and there's things about the other one that I that I really love too for different reasons. So yeah. it's always a trade-off the more instruments you add. But yeah. I think the piano one being so broken down really, I think the vocals really shine on that one. So
3: yeah, it does. Like I, mean, I said, it, it, it was it, a nice
1: surprise. It was like we weren't expecting yeah. that and Kyle really, he's an amazing engineer. So
2: yeah, it's really neat to hear that with the piano. That's a piano. That reminds me of uh, the the D. Snyder version of "We're Not Going to Take It" that you may have heard floating on YouTube, and it's just phenomenal to hear him sing without the bombastic, you know, of all Twisted Sister behind him. Really right. changes, you know, that song. It's really cool. Well, Tom, but, you know, obviously we waited a long time for this album. I know there were many years in the works, um, and it's been a long time since "Still Climbing." Do you? Have any plans on going back into the studio at any point, you know, to record some new material?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we want to do a follow-up record to The Way Life Goes, you know, proper studio record. Um, mm-hmm. Been writing along the way as we've been touring. Um, this has kind of been a work in progress, um, you know, and like, uh, as the title says, as The Way Life Goes, we had some curveballs along the way with this the release of this record that I, I think a lot of people don't, Know about the record kind of getting removed for a couple of years, but a lot of fans noticed that. Right. So, um, you know, when we got it back, um, we felt that we should, you know, finally do this expanded version we were talking about. But all the while, while we've been out touring and kind of building this new band out there on the on the tour trail, um, we, you know, there's been song ideas and seeds of ideas for songs that have been building up and piling up, and that's usually how it starts. For me, And I think that that's what any, you know, great record is made from is is great songs that are inspired by real things. So we've been out touring, playing music, meeting people, living life, and gathering seeds for new songs. And and that's how it's always worked for me, going back to the Cinderella days, you know. So there's a lot of stuff starting to build up that when we're finished touring for the, uh, you know, the deluxe edition, um, we're going to start really um, finishing up those songs and writing them and getting into the studio. We're hoping by the end of next year, and mm-hmm. that will be with the, with the touring band, um, we're going to take into the studio, and, uh, because that went just really well on the bonus tracks. You know, mm-hmm. that, That's the first time we all recorded together, because the original yeah. release was recorded by over a, a number of years here in Nashville with session players. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when the touring band started playing live, there was such a great chemistry with us right off the bat. Um, and going in and recording these bonus tracks, it, it kind of, you know, it, it translated into the studio very well. And that doesn't always, it doesn't always work that way. So uh-huh. um, so it was, it was nice that that happened. And, uh, you know, it's really has solidified as a band now, both live and in the studio. So right. we'll be making that, that new record with this band who are just amazing, and uh, yeah, that, that that is in the works already in terms of the song ideas are starting to pile up, so that's the first step, Great. Wonderful, and that comes well, from living t- life and, and touring, so yeah. that's, that's yeah. what we've been
2: doing. Put miles on those tires. Um, can yeah. you talk a little bit about these are the players in your band now, for those who aren't familiar, who got out on the road with you?
1: Yes, so the, the when the band first came together, you know, I was a little stressed about having to put, you know, we'd been working on this record for a number of years, and when it looked like it was finally going to be released, you know, I was faced with the idea of, oh, you know, I'm going to put together a band and and, and go on tour for this, and, you know, and, and that's a big step, so um, it was something that I was, had, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, a lot of anxiety about finding the right people, not only musically, but, as people you know that you're going to be hanging out with and you know be a family with, and much to my surprise, what I thought was going to take months of auditions took one night, and um, the band came. The first people in the room were the band that has toured, we've been touring with for four years, and we we had our first member change this year. Um, Paul Taylor, who was playing keyboards with us, um, decided to come off the road this year because he's been torn forever and we have a new keyboard player, Corey Myers, who's amazing. And Paul Simmons, our original drummer, um, decided to, uh, he didn't want to be on the road anymore either because he's been doing it for years, so we now have Jared Pope on drums and those two are new this year to the band and in the same tradition as the band originally came together, when we held the auditions to replace keyboards and drums this year, they were the first two people that came into the room. So it's been very, you know, the chemistry and you know has just been pretty, uh, pretty magic from day one with with finding the right people for the right. band. So um, we have Tony Higby on guitar, who's an amazing guitarist and and uh, singer. Uh, Jared Pope on drums, I uh, just mentioned, who's in, in probably one of the best drummers I've ever played with. Uh, Corey Myers on keyboards, just incredible singer and keyboard player. Uh, Billy Mercer. On bass guitar who's been you know one of the original players from the beginning and he's just just a monster musician really great and then uh savannah is in the band uh, my wife who mm, created sure. the way life goes with me um and she sings and plays piano on stage with us and ken brashantel uh, also sings with us who's just an amazing singer and so it's a seven piece band and uh, like i said mostly the original members from when we first started, with the exception of the two changes this year. Sure.
2: Now, um, as far as the set, for those who haven't caught, you, you know, post-Cinderella, um, should we expect, you know, the majority of the, of the album and, you know, some of the classics from Cinderella, or how do you mix up the set list to kind of appease, you know, the people <laughs> who have been with you since, you know, 1988 or whatever?
1: Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the set that has, you know, all of the Cinderella classics, faves, hits, whatever, you sure. know, everyone calls them something different, but it's, you know, all the songs that you would want to hear from, from, from those days are in the set, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody would be disappointed walking out of the show because we play all of those. I mean, we play over 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so all of those are in it, you know, from nobody's fool, to not know what you got till it's gone, shelter me, uh, even something off of still climbing this year. We're doing the title track off of that record. So all those songs are in it. Um, we usually do, we kind of change up what songs we do off the new record, but typically we've been doing upwards of four or five, sometimes six songs from the new record um, that are mixed in um, with the Cinderella stuff. And they kind of flow in and out of each other very well, the way we pace the show. Yeah. And, the, um, and we also have some covers that we do, um, help from my friends being one of them that we've been doing every night from, from the first show. Uh, but also, you know, we've done some Stones covers in the encore and we've done some tributes to like Prince and Bowie. And, um, so, you know, that's, um, something that's been unique too, because those covers, we kind of take them and make them our own. I usually change the vocal register into something that's more, you know, recognizably me. And, uh, the band has been really good with, um, kind of arranging and, and making those covers that we do our own and those have all been going done really really well live too so it, it's, it's a r- real mixture of, um, of stuff, kind of a hybrid set um, but it's what you would expect to see from me in a live performance is, is exactly what the show is, it's high energy, loud screaming rock and roll, lots of sweat, lots of passion
2: and the band is, is kick-ass that sounds excellent. I know, I know. I think a lot of people, you know, had such regard for you as a musician, and, and you know, it, so eagerly anticipated the album. that I'm glad to see it's not, you know, so many bands in this era who put out a new album and then bury it. You know, maybe get one or two in a stat list. It's good to hear that you're going to get this material out there because I think that's how, you know, that's what makes the songs the classics. Is seeing you do them live over and over and, you know, yeah. getting that familiarity yeah. with them.
1: Yeah, I think it's important, you know, and it's a different it's a different era from when I was releasing records with Cinderella. You know, we don't have MTV anymore, and I think touring is really important. And I know we've been touring a long time behind this record, even when it was not available for a couple of years. Sure. But, you know, we were, you know, that's a great way, like you said, to get the music out there. You know, you're playing these big festivals and you're playing new songs and you're turning people onto the music. And that's a really important um, or a very viable way to to get the music out these days, and at the same time, we were building this new band on on the trail out there. Because the first year we started out, we were playing really, really small little bars, and you know, barely drawing f- flies to be honest. <laughs> you know? yeah. And 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 it's been really fun and rewarding to watch this band kind of uh, grow out there, and and um and you know now we're we're Playing all the big festivals and fairs, as, as well as we're still playing small rooms too, because we—I I love the experience of both. Sure. But we, you know, this is this is built up to the point now where we can play both, yeah, and we're, you know, we're either head, yeah, we're either headlining or direct support on most of these big festivals now, which is, you know, been really fun to see something new grow into that. Um, but we also go and play theaters and. Um, Clubs like you know BB King in New York City is one of our favorites to play. We've played there every year. It's just that really in your face, intimate, you know, crowd right there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so both experiences are great, and we've grown into like you said where we have the option that we can play both. So that's been yeah. really fun to to see that happen with these people because I I really love working with all of them.
2: Yeah, it is so. great to hear you know a rock band growing you know in, in any sense you know new band old band. You know, so many events, you know, they start out, you know, and then they're relegated to playing, you know, the smaller places. It's nice to hear you, you know, climbing, still climbing, should we say. That's wonderful, Tom. Well, I yeah. want to thank you again. You're going to be back in Pennsylvania the, the weekend of the 14th. You're going to be doing, mentioned Philadelphia uh, before we came on the air. You're doing Saturday night in uh, just outside of Pittsburgh in Warrendale, Jerkle. So we'll look forward to when you get to town
1: yeah we're looking forward to it um i hear great things about the uh that room that we're playing there in pittsburgh and uh we are absolutely looking forward to it always a great great rock and roll crowd in pittsburgh for sure
2: awesome all right tom we'll see when you get into town
1: yeah great talking with you thanks for having me on
2: all right a big thank you to tom Kiefer of cinderella now we're going to turn our attention to uh, doug aldridge who's got a new album out with the band the revolution saints which is a project which features uh, Jack Blades on bass, Dean Castronova on drums and vocals. Dean was uh, obviously in Journey for many, many years. Uh, and Doug Aldrich, who played with Dio and Whitesnake and uh, the Dead Daisies, most notably and most recently. So we're going to play a little bit of their uh, new singles called Light in the Dark from the album called Light in the Dark. And then we're going to get in a really cool interview with Doug Aldrich. to welcome to the show from the revolution saints and also obviously the dead daisies we have doug Aldridge on the line how you doing doug
0: good john how are you thanks for
2: having me my pleasure my pleasure um i believe we spoke about almost a year and a half ago before the dead daisies uh toured with kiss in the united states um and obviously really excited to talking about the the new revolution saints album Um, can you talk a little bit about um, for those maybe not familiar with the band how you and Jack and Dean got together and kind of put this act together
0: yeah sure Um, that was uh, it was around the end of 2013 um, I think um, Frontiers Records contacted Dean about doing a solo record and um, they they asked him of who he wanted to work with on his solo record and they, they basically had heard him sing and thought it would be a good idea to for him to to do a solo record so he he, um, he said I'd, I'd like to get Jack and Doug to, to play on the record and um, Alessandro Del Vecchio was hired to play keyboards and produce it so they had they had basically already had songs together mm-hmm. for him and but once they once they kind of got an idea of what we what we sounded like together, they decided to make it into a band situation and make it, uh, you know, a focus on all of us. I, I guess is so we all, you know, we all agreed to it, and it was it was fine, and um, we we were just happy to to do a project together, <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. That was recorded in the beginning or the. Around the spring of 2014, okay, the first record, and then it, it came out. It did really well. Um, but, but we, we, and we got some great offers for touring, but we were all busy with other things. You know, Dean was doing Journey, and Jack was doing Night Ranger. I was busy. I was bit, kind of more focused on family at that time because I had sure. been away so long. Um, but um, we just never, we never got it together to to do a gig and a bunch of stuff happened as I don't know um, you can ask me whatever you want but anyway we finally decided to do um, to do a second record yeah that's where we are now
2: Um, did you know Dean and Jack or or were they like casual acquaintances had you kind of rubbed elbows with them in the past that he picked you out or was it just admired your playing from afar Um,
0: well I I knew both of them I didn't know I didn't know Jack that well just because um, we'd only I, we'd only met at Night Ranger supported White on a couple of shows mm-hmm. during the time I was in White Snake, and but um, he was really nice and I, I'm I've always been a fan of Night Ranger and and Damn Yankees and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I love Jack's playing I, um, I I like it even more when I hear it you mm-hmm. know when I when I hear what he does with with the Revolution scene stuff. Right. Um, but and, and Dean and I were, were were pretty tight on the road. We were friends, and we'd hang out. And he's just always been a super cool guy, great person to um, you know to be around. He's just sure. fun. He's just good, good dude. And um, so it was it was a no brainer when I was asked to do it. I was like, that. Would, that would be a really fun thing
2: you know yeah yeah it, it certainly and his voice i think uh, i think a lot of people were probably amazed as i was you know you think of you know it's, it's always tough when you listen to a, a live or album or a, see a live video or see a band in person to pick out individual parts in the harmony to know what someone sounds like but i remember watching one of the more recent journey dvds and they turned the mic over to him it might have been in the one in manila um, where he did a song and you were like whoa you know, and and then you listen to this album, um, you know, and his voice is fantastic. You certainly can't deny, you know, the 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 tide of journey and the sound of his voice because you know some of it to me does sort of sound like Steve Perry almost. Um, yeah. But but when you um when you guys write, is there do you guys get together physically to write, or is this a situation where your touring schedules and things like that don't allow that kind of time to write?
0: Well, basically, you know, the fir- as I said, the first record. Was, um, it was pretty much written.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Jack wrote on one song or something, and we and Jack and I talked about writing on on the first record, but we just um, didn't. You know, we we just didn't. They had, the record was together, and we didn't really have a chance to get together and write. So we just went went forward forward with it. But then um, on this new one, a lot of time had gone past and. The one thing that that I think was important for me is is that I wanted to write on it because um you know I, I thought I could add this i could mm-hmm. add to it so for this one we we would pass around ideas via email or whatever, and then w- when we got together we we all decided to be together when we recorded it, which is another different thing than the first one um mm-hmm. uh, so we we all went to Italy together and tracked it together, and that's where we did the final um pre-production on all the songs right but we, we 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 had you know there's always ideas that everyone's got floating around and and um when something comes up where you want to write for something you you know you, you might look at, at at you know what ideas you have and go, hey this one might be pretty cool if the guys get their hands on it they could probably turn it into something so right that's, and wh- that's what you,
2: you do when you're throwing around riffs, I mean, obviously working with, with John and the Dead Daisies and uh, Dean's voice, very different singing styles. I mean, when you're noodling around on a bus or something and you come up with something on your own, do you kind of decide what to do with it based on what you think, you know, the which band might do it more justice? Or is it a situation where you say, okay, for this week I'm going to write for the new Revolution Saints album? <laughs> How do you kind of blend the, I often wonder that with you know you guys like yourself and George Lynch who are in you know maybe several different projects simultaneously, how you kind of flip that switch
0: well the i I don't flip it so much, I just write stuff that I like mm-hmm. and 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 then I would you know I might later say that might that might work out for this for this upcoming right. revolution saints record or something, but um and it's a little different in terms of the writing with Revolution Saints versus Dead Daisies because Revolution Saints, I would kind of develop an idea more completely mm-hmm. and, um, and kind of present it as a complete idea and even with melodies and stuff sometimes. And, or for example, there was a, one song that I got, Dean sent me an, um, an MP3 of him jamming on guitar for about 30 minutes and there was all kinds of different parts in there Just so I I grabbed a couple of things and kind of developed them but then I after I developed the riff that he you know that was from his recording then I would just kind of keep going and, and try and you know, like present a, a complete idea with the Dead Daisies I, I don't really need to do that because I think the, the best ideas the best Things that everyone latches onto are things that we create together right uh, in person, so I might have a riff, and someone will go, Oh, I love that riff, well, you know we could put that together with what you know with what I got here and, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more old school band together in the room writing right that's with the dead daisies, so it's a little different, but yeah, I mean it's there there are different kinds of bands, and um it, the sound is with Dead Days is more straight up you know kick ass rock and roll right now that's what what it's been mm-hmm. um, we're getting ready to start writing a new record next month um, with Revolution Saints it's more melodic rock more yeah. um, kind of uh, that that more of the 80's flavor you know
2: mm-hmm. now, so, as, a, as a guitarist do you change anything as far as is gear or tone wise as you approach those two
0: not, not really. I mean, I, I, I pretty much, um, I pretty much play the same way. It's just that maybe the riff might be simpler. So it might be uh, for Dead Daisies, It was maybe a simpler riff for, for Revolution Saints. It might be a little more extreme, you know, melodic guitar '80s style stuff. But I'm still using, for the most part, you know, Les Paul with humbucker into old Marshall. Mm-hmm.
2: Does um that's that's what I'm
0: kind of what I, you know. What's interesting is that no matter who, what guitar player you you go to, everybody always has their thing that they like their sound. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you give them a Strat or a Les Paul or a Fender or a Marshall or whatever. Um, when they plug in, they kind of end up dialing it in the same way that they always would. Anyways, It doesn't yeah. matter what the the combination yeah. is. Because you, you're kind of going for this certain sound in your head and the feel that you're looking for, but um, it, it always sounds like that person, ho- and that's that's kind of what I've. With me, it's the same way.
2: Yeah. Now, as far as playing with a you know kind of a power trio of sorts versus a five-piece band, does it affect maybe the the, the way you approach riffs at all? Not too
0: much. I mean, you know, it's that's a good point because um, actually, with Revolution Saints, we we've only done one show. Actually, we've mm. we've did a we popped our cherry and we did a show in Italy at the Frontiers Festival in April, where we took a couple days off to rehearse for it. Sure, and we we had Alessandro Del Vecchio, the producer and co-writer. He played keys and sang, so it it wasn't. A true three-piece. It wasn't okay. a true trio, um, but as for to answer your question, on Rev- if I was looking at Revolution Saints, there's more than there's you know there's rhythm guitar and then there's solo guitar and sometimes there's an overdub uh, melody or something like that. Right. And somebody might say, how you know how can you do that live, or whatever? Well, you basically have to you focus your live performance around all those parts so you've got your main riff and then then maybe a harmony comes in on top and then so you gravitate more towards playing the harmony Mm -hmm. and let the bass carry the bottom end and then obviously solo you play the solo but there's ways that you can that you can do it I, i don't go too crazy with the overdubs on revolution saints it's pretty clean and then with dead daisies that's that's basically one track for me and one track for david Lowy. that's that's mm-hmm. all there is so um it's it's very simple with with yeah. dead daisies with with revolution saints i i actually like the challenge of of trying to you know how can I cover more parts live how can I make it sound bigger live mm-hmm. more raw you know i I look forward to being in situations like that
2: yeah I remember asking that question of Mickey D from motorhead uh, kind of contrasting when he played with um, the king diamond versus motorhead you know you've got a dual guitar versus a three-piece and he had said he really enjoyed you know kind of filling in some of the space because you don't have you know as many layers to cut through when you're playing like that but sometimes yeah. you feel like you have to overplay um so that's really cool the, the Guitar sounds fantastic on on the Revolution Saints album. Um are you use is man. it kind of a Les Paul Marshall kind of thing or what what do you use for amplification?
0: Yeah, that's that's mainly what what I I use I've been using forever. I'm I'm actually sitting with the amp that I used and I took it on tour with uh the Dead Daisies after the recording and stuff. Um but it's now blown up. (laughs) I fried it on the road. I'm sitting here looking at it going, well, it's a 1979 uh, JMP 100-watt Marshall, and it's been, I've used it on every, I got it in in 1981, brand new, Mm -hmm. and I've used it on, on every recording I ever did, really. And whether, even like with Revolution Saints, there was some of the solo guitars where I've, was doing guitars on the road, and I was just doing them with with the direct guitar with using a plug-in and then I'd use then we'd reamp it um, back in Italy or I'd send the, the tracks for him to reamp that he, he would just grab a regular Marshall. but yeah that's p- pretty much what I've always used
2: now do you is it, a
0: humbucker you... into a Marshall
2: when you when you tour then do you use um was it fractal or or something like that where you're kind of emulating you know samples of the of the amps or do you actually take you know when it was still pre-fried did you take that on the road with you
0: pre-fried i took it and i have a a copy of it that's Ah, 78 jmp and um it's interesting that you brought up that fractal because it's fractals Mm -hmm. great i i have a fractal actually that's that's um that I had experimented with, I used it a lot mm-hmm. in a show I was doing in Vegas for a while a few years back. But um, but I just it's simpler for me just to have an app because yeah. the is extremely deep. I mean, you can go in there and totally tweak any sound that you could possibly desire, and I, it's just a little too deep for me. I just I know with with these Marshalls, I plug into them. And I know what I'm going to get, and there's just there's six knobs on it, so yeah it's, it's pretty simple but i I took two of them and and did a stereo thing the last time I was on the road um but i was it's the interesting part is is that a lot of gigs where we play a lot of festivals and stuff you'll see um bands with with a lot of fractals or and now two campers mm-hmm. Kemper is a different modeling thing, and you'll see this this um small rack you know with these things in it and and then you'll see a bunch of Marshall cabinets that they're being driven right. or sometimes they'll just have the cabinets up for a visual effect or yeah. whatever but but um, I'm still I'm still old school when it comes to live, just amp and in fact right now I'm kind of le- getting to the point where less is more with regard to any pedals and stuff it's like unless yeah. some, unless something really I'm really going to use it I don't want to put it in the middle of my signal chain signal path
2: do you find uh, you mentioned playing in Italy and obviously you tour the world with with different bands Um, does the power make a difference you know in some of these you know especially an older tube amp you know when you're on stage in Europe versus you know maybe a cleaner power in the United States do you you find much difference there sound wise
0: yeah there is there is a difference and um, it's I don't know I don't know where it's it's better I think that the um the sometimes they run at 50 hertz and sometimes they run at 60 hertz mm-hmm. the um the I forget what they call it well, like the ground or whatever and it uh in Europe it it tends to sometimes you get more noise but sometimes the tone seems a little a little better to okay. me you always you always have to step up or down the the t- the the um, voltage with a variac because right. voltages they vary so much. I mean, you the tech will come in, he'll he'll measure the voltage and and set the variac, and then he'll also keep checking it, make sure it's kind of stable. Because mm-hmm. um, even sometimes, like in it's sometimes in the UK, for example, you might it's it's two hundred f- 220, I believe, volts. But sometimes it'll, if they just, if they don't check it, you'll, they'll realize they'll see that it goes up or down by a couple volts, right. and that can be a problem for an amp. But there's a couple of new boxes out that are really cool. There's a, a voltage boxes. There's a thing called Brown Box, which I I want to I want to get one of these things because it because it basically. You can set it to the proper voltage, and then you can go down even further a little bit. And okay. this is the thing that this is this is cool. Check this out. So back in when Eddie Van Halen um, started playing around with voltages on the amps and with the variac, he he got you know everyone loved his sound on Van yeah. Halen on the Van Halen records early right. sound, and he used to say, "Well, what I do is I take a." I take a variac, I plug my Marshall into it, and I crank it up to 130 or whatever volts, Mm -hmm. at which basically will fry your amp. And and it it's not what he was doing. What he what he was doing. What he found out was he had a really nice sounding Marshall, and then he decided he wanted another one, and he he went and bought it, and um, it was set. It was from Europe, and it was set to 240 or 220, whatever it was, and it, he plugged the thing in and nothing happened and he let it warm up for a while and, and just kept playing it and all of a sudden he could barely hear some sound coming out of it but it was really good right it was just super quiet this is what he said anyway and then he, he said oh this thing's broken he took, unplugged it and he saw in the back oh it's set for 240 so he flipped it to 120 and all of a sudden the amp was crazy loud it was just it was just set on the wrong voltage so that made him think okay if the amp thought it was getting to, supposed to get 240 and it was only getting 120, that's obviously why it was so quiet. So what he decided to do was go take 120 volts and bring it down to. I think he said the, the, the best spot was about 98 volts. Okay. And, it, and then you, then it would basically you could take the amp and crank everything on the amp on full, getting the power tubes to really be you know lighting up and barking. Mm-hmm. But the volume wasn't so loud because it was not using as much voltage, and that's how he that's how you found it out. So now there's this box called Brown Box, and um, I'm going to buy one of these things that, that basically you can you can set the vol it'll protect your amp and set the voltage to the right voltage, and then you can bring it down like you know four percent or six percent. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is it kind of just warms up the amp a little bit. It takes away some of the harsh transients. Right so anyway that's enough tech talk
2: (laughs) yeah yeah. 40 years later we're all still chasing the elusive brown sound
0: yeah man it's like i've been chasing you know that's what guitar players do we chase tones everybody's always looking to improve it and and it's just an ongoing thing i'm glad that i'm still into it enough where i care
2: yeah absolutely i can and uh you said, like I said, the, the record sounds fantastic. Again, a "Light in the Dark" comes Thanks. out on October thirteenth. Um, have you guys got anything live planned, or is that still kind of in the cards? That's that's to, that's for,
0: that's to be determined. I mean, we okay. would love to. I I my I have you know full time the Dead Daisies at this point. It, mm. I know it looks like you know when you say guys like me and George were in. Various projects or bands, whatever. I I'm really in the Dead Daisies, and then everything else is sure. on, on my free time. But the Revolution Saints is a very special thing, and I really, I really, I'm very happy with how the record turned out. It's, it's. I think it's for me. It's, it's even better than the first record, and mm. not just because we wrote on it, we wrote it. But um, I just feel like it is a little more complete sounding. Sure. And I hope that we do do some shows. We, uh, Dean and I talked about we'd love to to go to Japan and do some shows over there because um, we could do a run over over a period of a week or two in Japan, and maybe it, we had some great offers for for Europe too. Maybe we could um, we could put that together for you know another couple weeks or three weeks in Europe or something during some downtime. You know, it yeah. would be cool. And would... the other thing Dean and I talked about was maybe doing some some benefits for yeah. um, for you know like uh, drug abuse or um, rehab sure. or I'd you know, I, I'd even like to you know I have some children's benefits I, I would anytime there's a children's benefit I, if I'm available I like doing stuff like that yeah
2: that would be fantastic so we'll yeah. see
0: we'll see what happens but depends on you know if the people like the record um, then then we we have a good shot at coming you know we'll see what happens
2: I think if people get a chance to hear it, they're going to love it, and obviously we'll look forward to the whatever the dead daisies are cooking up for us uh, for the next go-around, but Doug, I want to thank you so much for your time this afternoon, man.
0: You got it. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it.
2: All right, that about wraps it up. A thank you to Artemis Powell, Tom Kiefer, and Doug Aldridge. Uh, again, the uh, 13th of October, Artemis Powell in Ir- Irwin, PA. 14th, Tom Kiefer will be in Warrendale, Pennsylvania, and the 13th, Revolution Saints, Light in the Dark album will be released. So kind of a cool week to get all these out uh, for you to listen to. I thank you for hanging in. I know this is kind of a long episode, but uh, some really cool information. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks. Or reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from y'all. So until next time, thank you so much for your time.